This episode is brought to you in partnership with Wacom. Across the globe, learning is still handwriting-centric, especially in mathematics and science. This can make the shift to digital tasks challenging. Many schools are seeking effective apps and hardware to ensure a smoother transition for digital learning, especially for STEM lessons. Expanding digital pen and ink technology from teachers to students opens up new possibilities for communication and collaboration in and out of the classroom. Using pen-enabled devices, teachers and students can explain complex concepts, take notes, provide feedback, and show their work quickly and easily. Wacom pen displays and tablets easily plug in to the existing IT equipment in the classroom, enabling members of the class to interact with the digital content being shared. The teacher never even needs to turn their back on the class. Collaboration is simple when working on shared documents and apps with the digital pen. There's no new software to learn. You just work with the pen on the screen or tablet instead of the mouse and keyboard on your computer. As educators, myself, Steve and Ben have all integrated the use of Wacom technology into where we've worked in education, into colleges and schools, and we have seen the benefits for ourselves. So go check it out for yourself. Uh, The link is in the show notes for this episode. Hello and welcome to the Edge of Futurist podcast. Uh, here we are again. It is episode 195 and we've got a very special guest um, coming up all the way from Romania and we, we'll introduce her in just a couple of minutes. But before we get there, um, lads, since the last episode, we, we met in person uh, down in Leeds and quite an exciting uh, scoping out the venue for the Edge of Futurist Awards next year. Yeah, well, kind of. Yeah, he's not. He's, are we announcing? Are we talking about where we're going and what we're going to be doing? I, I didn't know we were going there, Dan. You started. You started something there, <laughs> and you and you announced it as the Edge Futurist Awards. But are we going to be playing a little bit different on some of that as well? But yeah, celebration yeah, certainly. All, isn't it? it's all be to be revealed. Yeah, and uh, it it was great to me and Ben. Um, we've we've had it booked and in the planning for a, for a long long time. Dan couldn't make it across last time. I'd. Uh, other stuff going on, but it was great to see Dan's face when we went into the venue for the first time last week. And uh, it's exciting. It's exciting times, I think, to to have a face-to-face event, showcase, celebration. Yep. Uh, a real, uh, I think people are going to love the venue and I think they're going to love what we tried to achieve from the award slash celebration of, uh, of and coming together of the community. So looking forward to announcing, announcing it and, Watch the space. It's, it's going to be on social pretty soon. It's very, it's very much our kind of space as well, and it? it's that kind of venue where it's a bit, bit edgy, a bit punky, a bit, yeah, a bit cool. So, um, yeah, I'm super looking forward. To it. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, and then uh, we spent the rest of the day planning, discussing, and uh, in Brewdog. So our other yes. passion of, uh, so, uh, so yeah, that was pretty cool. But it was a good day. Yeah, yeah, it's always nice to to do the podcast and and do it virtually, but always good to catch up. And everything else, and uh, yeah, and it's been. I went to an event. Speaking of this week, uh, on Tuesday in Compound in Birmingham, uh, so it was a global uh, event by uh, one of the partners that I work with, and they had Banksy's there. Met the Peaky Blinders, and at two o'clock they had a speakeasy, and they then had this the loudest band in the world, and I was like, I used to be a teacher. 
Tuesdays at two o'clock just didn't used to be this fun. So uh, <laughs> it was good. It was good. But, uh, but it's been a good week. My back-to-back meetings today, pretty tired, but it's been a good week. And yeah, looking forward to uh, this one tonight. How about you yeah, guys? What have you been up to? It's been a it's been a bit of a whirlwind week for me. Uh, been uh, right. I've been. It's not been as exciting as meeting the Peaky Blinders or uh, looking at Banksy's. I've been I've been writing video scripts for <laughs> some online learning videos and uh, been doing some online training at digital skills training at a local college. So yeah, it's been good. Um, had, had a little bit of fun and uh, looking forward on Saturday to going and watching Biffy Claro in Leeds. So I'm looking forward to that. So. Leeds, tw- Leeds in twice in two weeks is uh, I, I might get I might need to uh, make sure I get me, me vaccinations. Sorry for any listeners from Leeds, Sammy. Don't shout at me, I promise. And me, job. by the way, oh, also. Oh, sorry. Leeds. You're not listening, Steve. You've never listened. We've just realized that you've just heard your voice on the podcast on that advert for the first time ever because you never listened to the podcast. Dan, what about your week, bud? Yeah, yeah, it was good. I was just thinking there, uh, what could I mention? I don't think it's been a particularly exciting <laughs> one, to be honest. No. Um, well, I've got an office now, which is which is which is exciting. Is it a glass office? Uh, uh, it's not. No, it's not. Corner, corner office. Is it in the metaverse? Do you, can you pick up a camera? <laughs> <laughs> yes, very yeah. good. Very good. Yeah, that's uh, got an office. Is it a little bit like Ricky Gervais's office? I haven't been in it yet, to be honest. I'm going to go in it tomorrow for the first time. Uh, Have they just taken out the mops and the and and the brushes for you? Yeah. <laughs> One of that, is it a room inside a room inside a room? Uh, <laughs> if only uh, architecture and uh, and buildings could be fun, eh? Do you know, know. Who'd have thought it? Nice segue. Good segue, Steve. You've been doing this for not 195 episodes, but nearly. <laughs> yeah, let's bring in our guest. So this is kind of this is a new kind of angle for us. Uh, this one we haven't we haven't explored education. From specifically from the architectural side of things that Steve just alluded to, um, but yeah, I, I'm quite excited to get into it because I think if this is this is educational innovation um, at the cutting edge. Um, of course, it is. That's that's what we talk about. Um, so we're excited to introduce our guest in this episode and welcome Irina Tava. Irina, before you, before you start, did I say that right? Have I? Irina, actually, but close enough. Irina, sorry. <laughs> You know what? I always I meant to when we were talking before we went live. I yeah. meant to say ask you to pronounce your name, and I completely forgot. So I, I apologize for that. Uh, but it's no, great no, to have no. you on, Irina. Um, um, all the way from are you you're in Bucharest? Did you say in Bucharest? Yes, yes. And thank you, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here tonight. And I'm a oh, bit no, nervous, but mostly happy. So I think it will be okay. Yeah, yeah, you'll be great. Just relax. We'll just have a relaxed conversation. Um, and... Just don't do what I do. Could have been worse. <laughs> Dan butchered your name a little bit, but it could have been worse. I could have introduced you. And who knows what it would have come out as. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, thanks for that one, Dan, for, for, for taking me on that one. But, yeah, don't be nervous. I think our guests are going to be uh, are going to have a, a real uh, good half an hour, an hour, or however long we delve into it. So, uh, so yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, so you're a you're an architect, and you've had um, a, your own practice for for a couple of years now. Would you do you want to just give us a bit of an insight into what what makes you passionate about architecture, and then we'll jump into how, what you're doing in education. Yeah, so um, the thing that attracts me most to architecture actually is the play with scales that you, as an architect, can do also design a building, but do spaces and also do objects. So I like to work between the scales and to play around and not to 
make myself rigid in any way and to look at things in this sort of perspective. And you can have, I mean, as an architect, you you are all the time, you know, in a built environment. So you all the time have this critical eye and you all the time receive information from the space. And I think this is very great and it keeps me going and keeps me all the time looking forward to things and looking forward to improvements. Yeah, that sounds, it, it's like a real, I suppose you're getting that chance to create something from scratch and then and then not only create it in front of you, but then to see it kind of be manifest is, must be must be quite exciting when you see the finished article. Yeah, and the finished article, but the lived one also, I mean, <clears throat> that's a part of it. You have the finished object, but how it lives through the people that uses that object or that building and how is it is life in a city and in a community also so that's that's a big part afterwards i can imagine have you ever seen there's a british tv show called grand designs have you ever come across it yeah 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 ah it's, it's one of my favorite tv shows but uh yeah i'm always like that when i'm watching it i at the start when they show you the plan like the 3d model of what it's going to look like i just can't wait to get to the to the end to see what it, to see what it's going to be like um yeah it's i just wanted to mention do you, do you ever design. fast forward it to the end um, the design process oh no okay <laughs> <laughs> i sometimes i sometimes watch the start and then go off and do something else and come back at the end yeah i um, I, I always i always find it interesting that the the the, uh, the, the script is always going to be the they go over budget um, the weather's really bad because we're in England, and uh, and then oh it, oh, it magically still turns around and it looks wonderful in the end. Somehow it it, it manages to make the, the the picture. I'm 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 uh, not from that world any uh, in any way, shape, or form. I am I have to be the least um, capable person of DIY in the whole world of building anything. I'm great at breaking things, um, but I'm not particularly good at building anything. So I, I wonder, like. Architecture, I think you were talking there, it's quite philosophical about not just the idea of building, it's that idea about how it lives through other people and that kind of the story that it tells. So so there's a, there's a story behind you getting into architecture, isn't there? So I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about that and then we, as we get into that might lead into why you've done the project that you've done. Well, yeah, the story was that um, I like drawing a lot. I was also good at maths. And I, these were the two ingredients. I wanted something creative to do. So I thought that architecture would be the, the best thing. And after starting to be a student, I realized that it was uh, the best decision because uh, actually doing architecture kind of opens up the way to doing a lot of things because you kind of uh, understand and very get, get into this design process and design thinking and how can you think about something looking forward and uh, considering a lot of uh, i don't know options or problems or so i think that yeah this is this is something that all, all architects share you know this uh, possibility this open possibility to do a lot of things by doing this this work job Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, well, this part with uh, the architecture, if uh, 
you guys want to want me to get into the association and the the my school can be cool project yeah absolutely and I, what kind of what made you get involved with it and i know because is it volunteer is it a volunteer yeah yeah i'm you... i'm a i'm a volunteer architect uh at in the this association so uh, well this association to talk a little bit about it to give you some context so um they want to bring architecture in the school curriculum in romania they also want to bring kids closer to this field and into the design process in general because they want to raise awareness about architecture and uh, create this uh, this critical view of it and a critical view of space with within kids and also they are uh, they have a number of projects they recently celebrated 10 years so they're an old association and very um, very important here they're founded and sustained by the romanian order of architects and one of the projects is this, My School Can Be Cool, a project that means to, to do an intervention, a built intervention with the kids in a school to reshape the face of the school. And yeah, when I heard of it, I was an intern doing my internship in an architecture studio. And I didn't have the time then because uh, you need to get really involved. It's a one year process. So, uh, but uh, it, it stuck to my mind and uh, for from the first first moment I heard of it, I was like, "This is a great idea to bring kids closer to architecture and to help them build things in in the school." So I, I saw the potential to to change things and change the built environment through them. And then I waited to have my own practice and to have the flexibility necessary to do this. And when I when I had my practice, I uh, entered the program and I was very determined to do it also in my hometown. And this is a part of my, my story, actually, uh, because I did it in the school where, where I was a student in my middle school in Kurta de Arjish, my, my hometown. So I think uh, the emotional drive was a very big part of it because I wanted to go back and help the local community and to to show them something new. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And I think we regularly on the podcast talk about students being involved in the design of their own learning, but but to actually go to the stage of students designing the the actual physical spaces in which they learn um, is is really exciting, really, because I suppose I think given that given agency to students to be able to 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 decide their own learning paths and that and personalized learning and um. But we, I don't think it enters our minds that the actual building itself um, can be collaborated on with the students. The process in England just tends to be um, uh, it's it's contracted out to to some to a group who who plan the building, and it's and it's fairly basic or fairly traditional style classrooms and and spaces yeah. and. But actually, to it, that's at that early stage and that design of the actual architecture to have students involved is quite exciting. Um, I suppose how 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 was it? Because I, I was I suppose don't don't they always say if people who work on TV don't ever work with with children and animals because they're just very unpredictable. I suppose how how was it? How was the process for you being a professional architect and bringing young students into the mix? Was it was it exciting? Was it frustrating was it how, how how was that whole process yeah well so 
they were eighth grade, so teenagers, yeah, and this right. was a big part of it. But I think um, this motivated me a lot because uh, I felt the need to to be like a magician, no? to present them the information and knowledge of architecture in a very appealing way for them and to speak their language or to go into their world with uh, pop culture references or games or whatever. And yes, they, they tend to go at the beginning when they understood that we will build something, uh, an intervention in the school to change the school space. They, yeah, they went crazy, like we want a swimming pool. And I told them, <laughs> okay, we cannot do a swimming pool. We need to lower our expectations, but we will do an improvement. Uh, but uh, the process of this project is, so they firstly learned the ABCs of architecture uh, through games. Uh, after that, uh, we analyzed the space. So we explored the space together. We um, kind of uh, look around and look uh, into ourselves also, our emotion. What does this space mean to me? Uh, it is appealing or not, you know, to explore in a phenomenological way. They do a questionnaire, we, we have a discussion together, and after that we start to go into the debate of the concept. What do we want? What do we need to improve? So, uh, yeah, they, basically when they get into the process, they understand that it's, a, um, it's something that it will develop and transform over time, their thoughts. No, not the immediate idea, but something that, you know, it's more real and, you know, it's more experienced and felt. So, yeah, I, I yeah. really like I really like that. I, I like the idea that um, even in the design process of the buildings, that it's something that will take time and it's something that iterates yeah. over time as well, isn't it? And uh, I suppose my, my, my thought on that is that obviously when a building is built, is it that you need to create space and flexibility to be able to be agile and change things as it goes so that you can, because people's views will change or because um, obviously bricks and mortar when they're up is is there yeah i suppose how does that agility thing work and that flexibility thing work when things are actually built rather than just being designed yeah well this is uh, today this is a very important idea to create flexible spaces and open spaces that can accept a multitude of functions and functionalities but back in the day it wasn't so here i want to kind of go into the context of the schools and the infrastructure of the schools in romania because uh, it's very specific in a way so the schools in romania are most of the time not not very good um, the majority of them in the cities are built in the communist period so you have this very anonymous spaces and basic spaces you know, with corridors and classrooms left and right. And uh, you have this big discrepancy because now the kids are connected to the internet and knowledge and uh, everything that's new and they have new beliefs, that they have new desires and new needs. So you have this discrepancy between the individual and what the individual thinks and its mindset and the space that surrounds him. So he, here is the, the My School Can Be Cool program where it, where it, where it where the program enters and uh, we want to and we propose to improve these spaces by giving it a new face a contemporary face through the filter of the children so you have a teacher an architect and a classroom of kids working together 
to do this, this design process, but the intervention, and here I want to mention, it's most of the time small. So we don't create a building from scratch, we improve a space. And I think this is also in the mindset, so okay, we don't have the means to do a building from, from scratch, but also it's a, a sustainable part, no? Because you can transform what you have and you can, you can come with a new filter Maybe you can give it an ironic tone or a contemporary tone, but you can transform the space and you can work with it. Yeah, that, yeah, that sounds good. So, can you give us an, can you give us some examples of of how you did that? I know you said you you done that with, um, or or maybe I read it the, of the high school that you went to, um, in your hometown. And could you give us some examples of how how you did transform the space? Yeah. So. Uh, as I said, it was this process with them, ABCs, uh, uh, analyzing the space. And so at the end, they wanted to have a space for so socialization because they, they lack such a space. The school was very rigorously um, um, about learning and sports and that's it. And they wanted the place to hang out and a place that really represented them. So in the schoolyard, we had this uh, concrete platform and uh, they used to sit there and hang out during the break. And it became like, a, I don't know, embedded in their mindset that that's the place for a hangout, but it was improper. So it wasn't a proper space. No, it was just a concrete platform and that was it. So yeah, we, we transformed that space. We did a wood structure and a, a kind of a stair shape. And we played with the volumes to give it like, um, to be more dynamic. And we painted it with spray cans and we did a design uh, to it. And, and we created this space that was already in their mind, like this is the hangout place, but now we, we gave it a proper uh, no form and image. And it was, uh, it was really interesting because uh, actually when I was a student there, it was also our hangout place 20 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, in a way, yeah, nothing changed. But actually, after this year, it did. So, yeah. And how, so obviously the project is there. And like you say, you'll go in for a particular school and you'll change the, the concept of, or the idea of what space, what they think it is, and still keep that and develop it. And apologies, my, my children are having fun outside screaming. But uh, how does that then, does that stimulate post-project? Do you see more ideas being stimulated and, and cascaded across? Or is it a case of try one in, in one organisation and then move on to the next? What does that look like? Is it, a, is it something that is developed in a ripple effect post-project? Uh, mm -hmm. Or is it a, a move on to the next one, I guess? Yeah, I think it has a ripple effect because... Uh, it creates this uh, excitement within the community and the students. Because the, the, I think the biggest part of this project is that the kids have a voice and they are heard. And this is super important for them. They are placed beside the architect and the adult and they, they are on the same level. So when they feel, listen, they have power and this is a very empowering thing. So I think because they, they see that they can change the school, actually, and the school is not uh, reluctant to change, but it is open and friendly enough to change for them. 
I think it opens this idea that, okay, we can change more within the school and we have the power to do more if we come together and we work as a team. And uh, this is a very yeah important uh, thing in the, the project and uh, that it aims for actually to create this empowerment and to to make them feel that that they can be active and creative within the the community i think that's that's really powerful that i think what you said there is really interesting that whole idea of they can change the school that they they've got that they're empowered to do that i think i just think when from my own experience school is almost the one thing in their life that a student can't change it's quite a they as soon as they walk through the door they're given a timetable of where they need to be at every every second of the day they're told when they eat they're told when they have a break they're told in the classroom they're told which pen to use which book to use where to look in in in, in some cases um at certain times and it and especially in, in a, a lot of a lot of like traditional style teaching, which has made which has made quite a big comeback in recent years, um, especially in the, in the UK and and America and other places, that that kind of rigidity and 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 almost complete control of the school over the student, mm-hmm. um, and then to introduce a concept that the student can act, can have an active participatory role of changing what what happens within within that building to the point of actually changing the bricks and mortar of the place is 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 a powerful powerful uh way to empower students i imagine yeah and you know the space actually changes the last so firstly we change our beliefs and what do we want and after that we change our environment to match our beliefs so it's really hard to change but i think also the space is very democratic you know because we all have access to it. And if you change something in a space, everybody can see it. And space is information. I mean, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, it's information that we all the time receive in a way. So each building has a message, each in, in, intervention. So when you have this thing that appears and it's in front of us and we all have access to it, I think that it spreads the message more more fast. I agree. I totally agree. And I think it's really interesting. In in our early years uh, settings, and I know that both me and Steve have, have been involved in um, having earlier settings in, in our roles when we've done governor's work and um, actually uh, supporting a, an early year setting. So children under the age of four and their their environment and their space it's very interesting how their curriculum is in the UK anyway is designed in such a way that it is is geared around free free play and that children have got um, lots and lots of stimulus or stimuli and they they have got to then do uh, go and play with what they feel like they they want to do that day or they might be guided a, a little bit but actually there's lots of options and then the learning has to happen uh, the key worker does the learning with the student then. Then, then as they get older, it turns into what Dan's talking about there, that very prescriptive idea of this is how it's going to be and this is what you're going to learn and this is what you need to learn. And what you're suggesting here or what, what is potentially happening here with these with these young people is giving them that autonomy and that opportunity for 
um, to have to take some responsibility. And I, and, and I, I imagine yeah. that the the confidence of these students and the the kind of what you re, you're really asking me, and then they see what's what's landed, what they've what they've designed, and then what has been created. That level of I've done that, and that sense of ownership and stuff. I imagine that that lands in there as well, does it? Yeah, it does. And also, you said about responsibility. So this was a thing. So they are eight graders. So this year they are in high school actually. So it was a question because uh, so they start to do this project, but they don't have the time to enjoy it afterwards, no. But they were very okay about it because they understood that the, the other uh, students will enjoy it for them, no? And uh, after that, uh, an interesting phenomenon happened actually because uh, so they kind of uh, give the responsibility of taking care of the place to the fifth graders. So it was a cycle. And in a way, I felt like it was the same like for me, uh, for me and them. So I came back in my hometown to help them. To do this project they did the project and then they handed the project to the fifth, fifth graders so you know this this cycle of giving through the next to, to the next generation and to kind of yeah innovate through generations and try to help one another i love this because when i, I remember thinking back to my uh, my high school days and uh doing uh, design technology for my GCSE. And um, I made a foldaway footstool. Not why. I'm not sure why I thought Did you do GCSE, a... Steve? I yeah, I did, yeah. That. Oh, <laughs> I did. But, like, I remember it, and, and it was an individual project. And it was kind of like many GCSEs where you do it in isolation, you have to create something. And that I really enjoyed it. I, the reason I designed that was my dad... Uh, was struggling, was having multiple operations and having a, a fold-away footstool that he could take with him and, and in different contexts when he was waiting in hospital and stuff was, was something I did. But it was done in isolation. It was done because I found it. But I think what I'm fasc fascinated about this one is how the shared collective is not just creating something, it's reshaping and redesigning and making an impact as a collective. And I really like it how it's, shifting and it's sharing that goal and and bringing loads of different skills in rather than just doing it on your own um so i'd like to hear how 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 do you focus and how do you build those skills around uh, the work that you're doing is that a focus in regards to from the design originally to to where it's at what how do you focus and and develop those uh, those skills in students when they potentially haven't had them for or i'm um, not sure what the structure and the education system would like is over there but it's it's not probably uh, focused on skill development over here yeah well it's not so like the spaces of the school that are very rigid so the curriculum in romania is also very rigid and it's saved only by the teachers that are very, that are very good and passionate so but you said something about you know you have you had a memory you remember something with pleasure you know and I think that this is the key here because uh, we are learning through experience and we are creating memories and we are creating emotions. So when you learn something by doing it, actually, it's part of your life. You know? you really experience it through your full body. You you have this you it will be with you through time, no? Instead of repeating things. 
and say, just saying them. And this was a part also of uh, me trying to get uh, the kids to be more skillful in playing games with them. So uh, for the ABCs of architecture that can be in a way really boring, I try to make for every one of the principles one, one game. So we would have, have uh, to do structures with toothpicks and clay or uh, to do puzzles with functions and to arrange the spaces so we can have a coherent building or we played bingo with uh, architecture terms and I would give them uh, prizes, uh, uh, architecture magazine from uh, my own archive. And now in the school that I am, I, uh, I experienced with them uh, trying to do spaces using mid-journey, the IE generator, image generator. So they imagine a space, they have some keywords typed in and then the IE generates an image of that space. And I'm trying to work with them by doing this also. And actually, this is a point that I want to, to develop further because I'm, I'm curious if I, I could uh, succeed in doing a design very hands-on using the IE with the kids so that we can get, I don't know, some keywords together and to really have a shape generated by the IE. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that sounds fascinating. Um, and in terms of the, I suppose, you know, when we talk about like students helping to design their own spaces, do you, do you, have you ventured into kind of that, that realm of students building the, the virtual spaces? Because I guess students um, are, aren't just in the, in a physical space now, they're also in a, in a digital space, um, in, in terms of learning as well is is that is that an area you get into or, or? i would love to get into it actually but uh, this step with mid journey uh, it's the first step and yeah but i i would love to design spaces with them in virtual reality i think that they will be super into it because they they catch on very very quickly with these things they are very receptive with uh, technology of course and they love it so, yeah, and I also think that uh, in a way, I mean, I all the time I view teaching as a two-way street. You, you teach something, but you learn something in return. It's uh, something that you share, actually. It's not something that you impose or just say. No, it's, it's something that you share between the student, and the student can teach you a lot of things. So I think it will be great to explore this, this field of doing with kids' spaces in virtual reality i'm i'm in, i'm intrigued by what you did that phrase you just said that teaching is a two-way street um that is a that is a phrase that i think any teacher training organization would need to hear that actually teaching is not one way uh, and dan dan kind of alluded to and, and steve's already alluded to in the uk very very much so there is a resurgence of the traditional teaching which is direct instruction teachers got information they need the children need it therefore you need to listen uh, as a child and uh, your role as a teacher is to impart that information and impart that knowledge um it doesn't sit right with with me uh, i know it doesn't sit right with the lads as well that that is the, as the only method i'm not saying you, you shouldn't do any direct instruction but i think that idea that the children are 
valuable learning vessels as much as and valuable teachers as much as you mm. are. Um, there's experience there, and and there's a. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to suggest that kind of crazy wacko idea that everybody's a teacher and everybody should, but there is there is something really powerful when you you can learn from others regardless of your age and your education and your qualifications and all the things that go with that that ability to have that i suppose that it's, it's almost like a disposition of learning isn't it and moving to that idea of i am always trying to learn whether i am supposed to be the teacher or not yeah and i actually think so as i said in yeah in romania is the same you have the teacher that repeats and repeats and repeats and I actually think that repetition and this repetition kills the teacher. And uh, I think that invention uh, kind of, I don't know, makes him passionate again. So you have a, here in Romania, you have a lot of depressed teachers actually, because they, they lost this connection with the kids. And in a way, I think they don't understand why they lost it. but. Well, as my experience was, I understood why they lost it, because they want different uh, different information and they want to understand information differently. Um, they, they want a different relationship with the teacher. So actually, we don't need information and data anymore. We have this. We need principles and we need to learn how to juggle with information and data. Yeah, absolutely, and and I guess that's this project, the the skills that it's it's important in terms of the problem solving, the critical thinking, the collaboration, working together, iteration, unlearning, relearning. Um, I think that um, it, it, it's skills that's going to do them well in in all other areas of life, not ju- not just architecture. Um, and I think it's if that is the the case like you say that's the environment of education that's the kind of culture of education at the moment in, in Romania then then I, this sounds like a breath of fresh air for for students who are, who are taking part um and I imagine they probably come away from the project wanting all of their their education mm-hmm. to be like that in the future um which which is which is only a good thing and it's it's, it's how it should be I think yeah, yeah, they were they were uh, really happy to do architecture, and uh, because I was so involved, and you know, I I wasn't a teacher before, so I, I did this uh, teaching thing while I was a an assistant teacher at the university for one semester with students, you know, older students in their fifth year in architecture, and uh, after that nothing. And I think in a way the fact that I wasn't a teacher, you know, really made me uh, apply things differently, or I don't know, look differently, or maybe with a fresh perspective, because I, in a way I felt very free. I felt very free to invent and interact with them in a friendly way. I was very involved emotionally because, I don't know, they, they were in my hometown, in my, my school and everything. and. Uh, you know, and every, every this this whole context that was created uh, helped me to just be with them, like emotionally to be with them and to really try to help them and be passionate about it. And I, I really think that, uh, you know, I learned from the kids uh, that you never need to never underestimate kids 
they, they are a surprise and uh, they have to offer a lot and you just need to give them a stage and a voice and a space and they will transform it so yeah sorry Steve go on no uh, uh, two things and I'm deciding which question to ask first I suppose but in terms of then you say everything's learning after you've been through the the process and the program for for the period of time that you have has have you learned anything that has changed your approach to architecture and your other job from the work that you've been doing with the students and have they given you any thoughts or insights that you that you didn't have you learned and applied any of that not saying that you've stolen their ideas and you're making money from it but you get what i'm saying that like you know is there anything that's changed your your thought process in regards to how you tackle bigger projects in your in your day-to-day -day life well that that's a, a very big question and uh that i think i will answer it in time <laughs> but uh well i i think i i got more relaxed with architecture and space I think that uh, just working with them and uh, doing a hands-on project and being there in the whole process, because you know they, they were the users and the designers at the same time. So being with them day by day, step by step, learning with them, and uh, also I don't know seeing how they interacted through each phase of the project and how they interacted at the end of the project, kind of give um, i i had a, lo a lot of insight from it and kids are very sincere and that's uh, that's uh, that's very important because when you interact with a client that's an adult you know you have this diplomacy and whatever and um, maybe everybody's hiding a little bit and uh, has an image and a mask but with kids everything is very direct and sincere so yeah, I think I got more relaxed and more, uh, I don't know, user orientated after this. And um, and the rest I will see, I think, in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, are you going to get me your second question, Steve? No, Sorry. no, 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 no. It's, it's very different. So you go, you carry on, Ben, and then I'll. No, I'll... no, I was going different. I was going different. So I'm going to go different. I'm going to do mine. So now you mute yourself. You'll get one question in a row. You know the rules. Um, that's a just a little joke. Uh, so my, my thinking really is you are talking about like transforming spaces that already exist and you're mm -hmm. trying to um, get the students involved in thinking about what it could look like and how it could change. And you, you also mentioned there about the idea of flexible learning spaces and how increasingly we're going to need flexible learning spaces. One of the things that I've been doing this week is working in a very big flexible learning space. And in that learning space, there was um it was quite noisy um it was there were multiple screens there were lots of distractions around um and uh so the, the young people that i was working with and i was doing some digital training with them they had chromebooks in front of them there was a huge screen behind me there was four or five other screens around the space as well because it was quite a big open space um and i really liked that i really liked that ability that that fluidity uh, but I can imagine some teachers and some students finding that quite difficult, uh, that ability of having open spaces. So as we start thinking about um, designing from scratch, because I know that we're, we're, we're designing uh, uh, with pre-existing buildings already, but there's going to be there's going to be people who listen to this who are considering new buildings, considering uh, design or and layout. 
of of those schools or colleges. And I wonder um, what you think the future of that's going to look like, despite the stuff that I was just saying now about the limitations around open spaces. Well, I think that the first thing that they should do is to involve kids in the design process. And uh, that will be, I think, great. And it will just set a new direction for things because they, they have very, sometimes they have very specific desires and wishes about the space. And uh, it, it can be great to, to, do it, to do it in this way. Because otherwise, you know, the normal way to do a school, to design a school is, I don't know, you have the basic functions, you have the, some rules you have to check, and that's it. But uh, to implement it with them and to hear their thoughts about it, uh, I think that will be transforming. And otherwise, I don't know, with the spaces and what new spaces can you have and well, it depends on what learning do you have. And I, I think what type of learning do you have? Because you, you said something about a big space that you felt the energy of everybody there, but for some people can be distracting. Well, it depended on how you did the lessons. So this is also very important, no? How do you, do you learn and teach? And then how do you make the space accustomed to those needs? Yeah. Yeah, I was just, I was just, it's, it's a fascinating thing, and I remember just trying to think of the the year. I think it was two thousand sixteen. Um, so, so quite a few years ago now, uh, I wrote an article called uh, "Knock uh, Knocking Down Walls," and I can't remember the name of the article. But yeah, I, I, wrote I, remember, I remember reading it. I remember reading it actually. Uh, so yeah, God, I can't remember what I've written, but yeah, so it was basically a. a a redesign and a refocus of delivering uh, maths and English in further education in, in the UK. And we had this idea that um, we were getting traditional students and students had been seen as a failure and not passed their GCSE maths and English. Uh, and they'd been doing it for from the age of 11 um, until the age of 16. And then when they'd been told, and it used to be, uh, a C and a D, but now it's a, a number, a four or a five and or a three. And then we were saying, but what we're going to do is, even though you didn't get it last time, we're going to do exactly the same, but we're going to condense it into 30 weeks and see how you get on. And I was like, this just can't work. So we changed it all. And I was like, one of the reasons, one of the things, and we did involve students, we asked students and I said, right, what what could we do differently? So it the reason why it was called uh, knocking down uh, knocking down walls was that's literally what we did. We changed the, the classroom structure. We added sofas in there, uh, some real clever, cheap sofas from a, an, a, an organisation um, that you might have heard of because Argos, uh, like you know, the cheapest sofas we could get for our budget. And we, we put some furniture in there that we had repurposed and we put Chromebooks in there. We removed the teacher and added uh, study coaches and, uh, and, and apprentices and, and all of these kind of things and changed the teaching and learning role within those spaces. And the reason I'm saying it is because we asked the students, we did all of this and that emulated. So we started with these independent learning zones and the first model was six. And then one of the things that I'm most proud about really that, uh, is that then every new campus that has ever existed in that college, uh, there are now, I 
think there's, I want to say, 30 or 40 independent learning zones across the college in every building, and I was involved in designing some new ones. And I remember the conversations with teachers, and, and they were saying, I don't like them. And I was like, why don't you like them? The students seem to like them. I really struggle teaching in there. And I said, it's really interesting. I said, because you say that you struggle teaching in there, but the students like learning in there. So maybe it's about the learning in that space rather than you trying to think of the traditional teaching in that space. And they talked about there isn't a screen at the front, there isn't walls in there in some spaces, it's too noisy, there's people walking past. And it was hot, and I had to then try and do some work around changing the culture around, but why is it you think you're going to stand up in the front and deliver in the same way? How can we do it different? How can we do facilitation and all those kind of things? And it just really kind of rung true when you were saying that, that actually ask the students, what is the space actually for? Because if you're going to stand up at the front and try and talk to the class of 30, the last thing you want is students not facing you and with people walking past you, without walls and all those kind of things and bigger spaces, you want a confined space where you can control it. And I think I underestimated it and I didn't do the culture pay, uh, the culture bit enough uh, right at the beginning because I focused on the students and learning rather than the teaching. But just, uh, yeah, it was really interesting when you said that about asking the students. But the whole thing that I constantly and consistently said throughout the whole thing and, and what really stuck with it was, whatever you're saying about the teacher, just remember, it's not about how you want to teach. It's about what the students and how they want to learn. We've tried it the other way. They don't seem to be getting it and being and achieving as what well as the class as an achievement. Let's do it this way and let's see. And, and the results um benefit from it uh, uh we booked the trend in regards to we focused on progress not passing and 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 everything else and 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 it wasn't down to me just to just to say that and i'm not taking the credit here it was one idea and along a, a a whole structure that changed the organization's way of focus of maths and english learning um but yeah it's those it's a change of culture of focusing on the learning not the teaching if you want to redesign spaces um, I think is yeah and in your example it was space generating you no know, the space generated this this new interaction you no know, and they they wanted a different space yeah yeah definitely and and the other question that I was going to ask that's a complete different topic is you mentioned that you talked about virtual reality and I can't not talk about because Dan absolutely is obsessed with it loves it uh, and uh, how do you see that playing a part in regards to online learning rather than traditional architecture of buildings, how do you see that developing in regards to the, the building and architecture and the structure in these online spaces? And how, how do you think that will play a part in learning going forward, if you have an opinion on it? Yeah, well, well, I think that so we architects are actually all the time in a vir virtual space because when we design a building, we, we do it, you know, using our computers. And uh, we are in this black and infinite space where we create shapes and transform them. So the, uh, the only thing is that we don't enter it, no? Well, it's, it's there on the screen and that's it. But I think that, well, well mentally, we, we enter it. And this is the next step, I think, to, to really enter the space and to design when you are in it, not see it 
from afar. And I think, yeah, it will be really easy to implement this online. I mean, you know, to make students do their project and to move around in their project and to experience the project of the building, not just above and do sections and plans and whatever, but to, to go in it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been, there's Meta, uh, formerly Facebook, have, have got a great app uh, called uh, Facebook, uh, Meta, not Facebook, Meta Horizons World, Worlds, and, and there's a there's a creator mode in there, and I've, I've played around in there quite a bit, and it's, it's similar to what you're talking about, so you, you literally build, bring in shapes, and then with your hands you can in in a 3d environment to manipulate the shapes put them together and then you click a button on one of your controllers and you become a person in the space just with a click of a button so you can go in have a feel of it see what it's like and then click another button and come back out to like a bird's eye view and start creating again and it's it's surreal it takes in fact it made me quite dizzy the first time i did it because it's very disorientating kind of having that bird's eye view and then jumping into into a space but it's it's fascinating and it really is it really is i think where where this is going especially with um yeah it, it's you you just made me think that because i've been thinking a lot recently yeah and uh, uh, you know now there are architects that design for the metaverse i mean this is uh, really a job now and i think architects really love this liberty that they have and you know some questions pop up uh, why do you need to have a dining room in the metaverse, no? I mean, why do you have to have a chair? Because you don't have to sit on it, actually, you know? You, you can have actually a different, a very different thing. And right now, I think that the design in the metaverse is done like in reality, you know, because we don't know how to do it now differently. But you don't know where it will go. I mean, it can be a completely different universe with other rules. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is funny, actually, thinking about it. The, we need to have chairs and desks and boards and, and screens, and it has to look like that. And you know that, yeah. that kids think differently, don't they? So, yeah, I like that. I like that. It is, yeah, it is interesting. Sorry, I don't know. What I, was I think I was talking a, uh, a while ago. I thought my browser had crashed. Um, but, yeah, um, the yeah that's it's interesting because i know a few people and and myself included who are looking at kind of that design and a campus within the metaverse and and you do you do kind of feel like you you think oh i know what it, i know what it should look like i know what it's going to look like and you want to jump in and you want to want to get designing but actually it's not about what what we want um, it's about what's going to be best for students and that yeah the whole idea of that ben just mentioned there as well and, and you did about the the kind of natural inkling to make it look like a traditional classroom like mm -hmm. a traditional yeah. building because that's just what we know a school to be and the fact that we can work in a, a place of eternity really in the the and no limits to what that learning space could be is 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 fascinating um yeah uh it's been great talking to you and getting your perspective uh, from from your architectural background into all of this, um, yeah, it was it was great. Thank you very much. Thank you. It, it was great for me too. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks Brilliant. for joining Thank us. You. Thank you.
yeah, we'll we'll end it now, but uh, stay on and we'll we'll say goodbye.